0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. And um, welcoming everyone to our evening. And we'll start off as we do when she's able to be with us with Eve Decker to share a song. And the, the theme tonight... Um, is uh, what I'm calling Across the Great Divide, what the Dharma can offer for healing our country. Um, So, um, Eve, why don't you take it away?
1: Thank you, James. I was thinking about with that theme that James just mentioned, what's a song? And I decided to go with loving-kindness. That's one of the many things the Dharma can offer for healing, loving-kindness. Whether it's loving-kindness towards our own reactivity or um, towards people who have um, a different set of views and beliefs um, or anything in between so um sing along unfortunately from behind a muted microphone i ask you to sing along because otherwise we all uh the timing is different through everybody's zoom so we end up all echoey and strange on different singing at different notes at different times um so we'll do each pronoun we're going to do uh the loving the long version of the traditional loving kindness phrases set to music um we'll do twice for i twice for you and twice for we may
2: i be safe and protected from inner and outer harm may i be truly happy and deep. May I be healthy and strong and physically at ease. May I take care of myself
1: and live with well-being. So it's going to be the same melody every time, and the only thing that changes is the pronoun. So please sing along as soon as you can. May I again
2: may i be safe and protected from inner and outer harm may i be truly happy and deeply peaceful may i be healthy and strong and physically at ease may i take
0: Okay. So across the great divide, there was a band song by that name. Across the great divide. What can the Dharma offer for healing? our country. Um, There's been an election. Just in case you uh, haven't been on this planet, there's been an election and um, probably many people have been experiencing elation this last week. Like a a burden lifted, some people have said they were dancing in the streets. Probably have seen the uh, the the clips. Um, I had this image. I I don't I can't pull it up on the screen right now. Um, but um, of uh, if you know the movie Yellow Submarine, um, where the Blue Meanies uh, have Have been uh, have been defeated, and after Pepperland has been in in greys, all of a sudden uh, color comes back and comes delighted, uh, comes comes back to life. So there's a lot of happiness in this country, absolutely. By the current count, seventy-seven million four hundred ninety-five thousand three hundred thirteen. Generally happy people. And by current count, there are seventy two million four hundred and thirty nine thousand nine hundred and twenty disappointed, angry, uh, many frightened. People. So one thing that has been clear is what's happened in this last week. Um, There's tremendously polarized country. That's painful. And so along with however elated you might be Or if you're not, just realize there are people who who are feeling very differently from from you. And if this country is going to work, if we're truly going to move forward, um, it's going to ideally, it's going to need real understanding and connection and seeing we're all in this together. Now that might seem like a pie in the sky idea, but if nothing else, then toning down the hate and the othering is going to be crucial. I was speaking to a friend who was, I don't know if she was watching the news or uh, she was speaking. No, maybe she was speaking to somebody from Pennsylvania. Um, And this person, it probably was on the news because I don't, she probably wouldn't be speaking directly to them, but this person um, was terrified and angry at the celebrating that was taking place particularly and she said, I wrote it down what she wrote, she, what she said, those rich people over there don't realize that their policies are going to kill us. She was in coal country and in uh, no, fracking uh, country and their livelihood uh, was depending on that. And she was terrified and very activated by all the joy and seeing, they don't see me. You don't see me. And as long as we mistrust each other or fear each other, um, we, we can't truly have, have peace and work together to make this a better country. We can make steps, but to truly move on uh, there needs to be some greater understanding and, and toning down the polarizing. Um, and the Dharma holds some real medicine for this. It's not gonna, we can't wait for everybody to do a, a retreat at Spirit Rock or to, uh, to take up meditation practice or to do loving kindness practice but we in our practice can at least embody, starting with ourselves, some of those perspectives that help us hold the dichotomy and reduce our own othering. And little by little, if enough people start to see things in that way, that's contagious too. So uh, I, this has been my my practice these this last week weeks actually, even before the election. so what what does the Dharma have to offer uh, to us personally and collectively to heal this divide? How can we use our practice to support us at this time and somehow bridge that gulf and have uh, a better understanding and even open our hearts. Um, Last week when uh, we were here and I spoke about uh, uh, letting go of knowing, the uncertainty of knowing, something that uh, somebody said, uh, Joni, I think she's on the call uh, here now, said that, that really, there she is on the second screen, really, really touched me and it stayed with me. Um, and I've shared it with a few other people since then, Joni, um, that um, as she traveled across the country, she had a, she was m- moving her stuff from the East Coast to the West Coast. And so she'd made uh, cross-country trips. And she said, I just want you to know that going through areas where people think differently than we do here in in Berkeley or in California. People were so kind. People were generous. People were genuinely um, caring and good-hearted. Now it's true that she is a white woman and they would not know what her views are, you know, and perhaps probably if she was a person of color, it, it might've been a, a different experience. And unfortunately that's part of reality that we all have to really keep in mind uh, the, the unfairness of that and what we have to do to cut through um, the more um, Overt differences, um, uh, physical differences, but they just saw her as a as a human being that they wanted to be kind to. And it, it it was it's really important to understand that if somebody can be caring and genuinely good-hearted, they have that capacity. Of course, there are some people. Who, um, who are not as naturally caring and good-hearted, who are perhaps uh, wounded and mean-spirited or that are filled with with greed and just don't care. I still believe that there's a, a Buddha right inside of them as well, but a little bit harder to access. I'll, I'll get to that in a little in a little while. but if we see that, Most people are not mean-spirited. Most people, if they're given the right conditions, like to express their caring and connection. Um, Then that can start to break down that separation. If we can look a little bit more deeply. I wanted to um, share... Uh, something from the Buddhist teaching on this, uh, particularly when we have ideas about others and have thoughts of um, superiority or Contempt for others who think differently. This is what the Buddha said in uh, one of my favorite suttas of all. It's called the Paramataka Sutta. It's in the collection, the Sutta Napata, which are a collection of one of the Buddhist, it's the some of the oldest Buddhist, uh, the earliest Buddhist teachings that are seem to be uh, seem to be really genuinely what, what the Buddha spoke. There's some suttas, it's, it's not clear, did he really say that? Or, but the earliest uh, ones that have come down to us are, are thought to be uh, the most authentic. Um, and he says this in the Paramataka Sutta, and this is one translation. A person who associates themselves with certain views, Considering them as best and making them supreme in the world, because of that, they say all other views are inferior. That person is not free from contention with others. They see profit by regarding themselves as superior and others as worthless. Those who are skilled in judgment say that a view of superior or inferior becomes a bond. And if relying it, one regards everything and everyone else as inferior. So this is the one discourse, the Buddha's discourse on views. In the Four Noble Truths, the second truth is the cause of attachment is, uh, sorry, the cause of suffering is attachment, and there are four attachments in that Second Noble Truth. There's attachment to sense pleasures, there's attachment to uh, rites and rituals, my meditation, my religion, my spiritual Uh, tradition. Um, There's attachment to the concept, to the idea of self, and there's attachment to views. He says, this is where we create suffering for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And a quote uh, uh, that I've, I've shared here before from Martin Luther King, one of my favorite quotes Martin Luther King says, you have no moral authority over anyone who can feel your underlying contempt. So holding on to views, and it's not just... mm, uh, people who are looking at views of others who have a different perspective politically, or who seem to be lost. It can happen in spiritual organizations. Believe me, I've been with spirit rock since the beginning and uh, really good people can have very different views about things. And there it is the human experience or peace organizations, Extinction Rebellion, this really um, inspiring organization has had different factions of how to address climate change and they can argue with each other and lots of peace organizations um, can can get very angry. Um, So, if you find you have some views, uh, you, you've got a lot of company, actually. It's, uh, it's there almost until uh, you're fully enlightened. The third stage of enlightenment, there's still what's called the conceit of I am that is comparing ourselves to others, right? So if you still have judgments about others, you're, you're just no higher than third stage of enlightenment anyway. That's one way to, to think of it. Um, Galak Rinpoche, this, uh, wonderful Tibetan master. Uh, he said, um, I, I was, it, there was a big conference of, of, uh, Dharma teachers international conference a number of years ago. I remember him saying, you know, it's, it's very easy for me to extend loving kindness to all beings. It's much harder to do that for the people that are around you that you have to deal with, you know? Oh yes, may all beings be happy, but oh, God, this, this one is such a pain in the neck. Um, so first to be humble about our views that we get very attached to. Now it's important to see, of course, that certain ideas, um, if they're held in, um, in Sila, in in virtue, in not causing harm, those seem to be ones that are um, conducive to well-being for ourselves and others. And those who have views that are causing harm, it's not to say, oh, well, just they can just do their thing. Yes, bless them. I think it's important to have as much commitment to stand up and say what's true and um have fierce compassion but as soon as you make the other person evil or bad you've lost touch with your humanity a number of years ago i was with um and with their humanity uh i was uh with this uh, non-violent, uh, co- uh, nonviolent communication uh, teacher, wonderful teacher in the Bay Area, Mickey Cashton. Uh, and I invited her to speak to, the, to a, a training that I was doing for Spirit Rock on uh, NVC, nonviolent communication. And she said something that really has stuck with me for all these years. She said, learning to listen and really hear is at least as important as learning to skillfully send a message and communicate. Because if you really listen, you can hear the pain, you can hear the hurt, you can hear the shame, you can hear the trauma, you can hear underneath what's going on in that person's heart that would make them say things that are upsetting to you So it's important from a a Dharma standpoint to realize that everybody has their own reality that makes sense to them. This is the Dalai Lama's great teaching. He says, if somebody says something that is upsetting to you, it's important to understand that their internal reality is intersecting with your internal reality in a way that doesn't meet up with your perspective and expectations but it makes sense to them. So if you find yourself as uh, can easily uh, occur these days saying, why do they think the way they do? Has that ever crossed your consciousness? How can they, how can they think that way? A very human thought I take it as a practice to go one step deeper and ask the same question with a different um, attitude. Why do they think that way? Oh, what would make them think the way they do? I don't understand. And to even to, to be interested in wanting to understand, that starts a whole new investigation. And understanding, in that understanding, understanding that the mind can be shaped in any way. The mind can be shaped in any way. I I grew up in New York and I'm as most of you many of you know probably I, I was Jewish. I, I grew up Jewish and I, I couldn't understand how Nazi Germany could happen. I don't get it. A whole country mesmerized? I just it didn't make sense to me. And and now you know we see that what what the information is that we take in shapes our mind. That's how Nazi Germany worked. It was all about propaganda. And that's the reality that many people who might think differently than you are taking in very different information than you. And they are afraid, or they feel shamed, or They just have a worldview that is very different because of that information. I was reading a, a, as of yesterday, this is an article yesterday, 80% of people who voted for Trump think, still think that he won the election and that he shouldn't concede. And they think that Um, he should contest it and actually believe that if it gets to the courts, it'll be overturned. The percentage is slightly less for that, it's like about 75% for that last one. So that's what they actually believe, okay? If you happen to think differently than they. So if you understand, oh, this is just causes and conditions from that understanding, oh, you know, forgive them, they, they know not what they're saying uh, if that's not accurate. And from that, the, the blame is removed and instead there can be compassion and wanting to really educate, wanting to really uh, make it so that um, there's greater understanding and, and, um, and accuracy to uh, their reality. I mentioned just a couple of other things, and then I'll, I'll open it up. Um, as I've as I've said here um, in the last couple of weeks, I've been reading uh, two books. Uh, one about a white nationalist superstar who had who was groomed to be the 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 a second coming of of white nationalism from an early age. His father was a grand wizard of the KKK, and his godfather was David Duke. And he and he. It's a book about how he how he woke up and changed his mind and his heart. His name is uh, Derek Black, and that book is called Rising Out of Hatred. Uh, and it's it's really um, fascinating. And now the book that I'm I'm most of the way through now is another one called um, uh, The Cure for Hate by a white nationalist, uh, by a, a white supremacist who was a skinhead, and who r- got into major violence. And he talks about how he was uh, he was a happy kid, and then there was a betrayal, a major betrayal by his uh, by his father, and then he went to a boarding school in the UK, he was from Canada, and he was subject to lots of corporal punishment, lots of beatings. And he internalized all of this shame, what he called toxic shame. And he said that, that he held that pain and that hurt in, and that, that toxic shame, it's different from healthy shame. Healthy shame, which in Buddhist teachings, there's a, 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 a wholesome mental factor called hiri, which is moral shame, where you know that you've done something wrong. He says, healthy shame is, oh, I did that. I did something wrong. Toxic shame is, I am that, I'm bad. And he there's this, he talks about it as being this alienation from himself. You, you are disconnected from yourself. And the one way to turn that toxic shame into self-esteem is violence. So when you you don't have anywhere to go with that that internal hatred and instead of imploding, particularly if you're around um, others who have a similar worldview and there's music and there's a whole culture around this, you can express it as violence towards others who you feel have shamed you or who are a threat and you get some self-esteem from that so he talks, uh, you, you dehumanize others. Uh, it, it was kind of amazing to, uh, to descend into that, that, um, that world as I've been reading it. But then he, he talked about his transformation. And the, I started, I, I didn't know about this guy, but I saw him in this healing circle this, um, this webcast where he talked about how his own healing happened. And now he goes around and talks about um, this possibility of healing with um, to white supremacists and all around, his name is Tony McAleer, M-C-A-L-E-E-R. And he said, it started when he uh, had kids and his heart just opened up. He realized, oh, he loves these kids and he didn't want to expose them to all of the ugliness that he was in. That started him a little bit and he started to distance himself from, he was a big deal in white supremacy, actually. He wasn't just on the sidelines. He he was a, a major figure in, in, uh, in certain circles. And then... Um, a friend of his um, challenged him to go on um, a Vipassana retreat with Goenka, a Goenka style retreat. He started seeing, I've got I've to look at my mind here. And he said, my mind has been twisted. And, and he said, okay, I'm going to do this retreat. And he talks about doing the retreat and getting in touch with all the ugliness inside, but he had this kind of courage to just stay there. And Vipassana retreats, uh, Goenka style, are done in prisons, in the hardest cri- prisons, and they're transformative. And he started to see all the ugliness inside and see that mm, there was some good in there, actually. And then he decided he was given a gift of doing some work. He did a workshop with this guy who, who was very very profound teachings of seeing things in the reality that you create. And a friend of his gave him a counseling session with this guy after about uh, uh, 10 months of, uh, of of hanging out with these new teachings. And he talks about the first session with this guy who he then he is his benefactor who he went through a radical uh, conversion. And I'll share with you the moment that things really broke for him, even beyond after the the meditation retreat. He, He was afraid to tell this guy who he really was, what he really did. But he said, I've got to do it. And he starts bearing his soul. And he said, I've done this violence and I've hated the, this, this group. And I did this to Jews. And, and the, the, the counselor therapist starts smiling and laughing. And the guy says, what are you laughing about? And the therapist says, you, you do know that I'm Jewish, don't you? You know? And He said, you keep on telling me, I'm right here with you. And he says, I'll just read this part. Dove leaned over the coffee table with a grin from ear to ear and said, you know I was born Jewish, right? Of course he was. The irony of that wasn't lost on me as I began to sink into the couch, my cheeks burning with deep shame. This was a person whom I considered a friend a person who wanted the best for me. By that time, he had done some teachings with this guy, but it was the first time he had a one-on-one. A person who wanted the best for me, wanted to heal me. And here I was sitting across from the, the coffee table from him, knowing that I had once advocated for the annihilation of him and his people. While I was trying to process the implications of this moment, Dove spoke, This is what you did. This is not who you are. Then he pointed at me and said, I see you. I see the little boy inside of you. I see little Tony. No sooner had those words left his lips than I broke down sobbing. In that moment, when I felt so worthless, I was overcome by his acknowledgement of the humanity within me, even knowing the harm I'd done to his people. When I felt I deserved it least, I could feel the warmth of his compassion. If this man could love me, there was no reason why I couldn't learn to love myself. Compassion from somebody we don't feel we deserve it from, especially from someone who comes from a community we've dehumanized is incredibly powerful. Now, I'm not suggesting for a minute that it's the responsibility of members of marginalized communities to take this on, but I want you to know if empathy is a feeling what somebody, feeling what somebody else is feeling in their suffering, compassion is empathy plus action, the desire to alleviate the suffering of others. And radical compassion goes a step further, taking us outside of our comfort zone, having compassion for people we don't like. And when I let that in, everything changed. So in the metta practice, we practice metta not just for our benefactors, but for, and not just for our loved ones, but for the neutral people that we have no connection with and for the difficult ones that have just gotten disconnected from the Buddha inside. That's what we're called on to do. And you you can't force it, you can't pretend You have to go through your anger and your hurt and your trauma and whatever it is, you can't be anywhere that you're not. But just to see that we all are who we are because of causes and conditions and circumstances and information and genetics and temperament and all of that. And the more we can see through that othering to see as the Buddha did, we all have the Buddha inside of us or the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus said, we all have it inside of us. And it's up to us to see how we're separating ourselves as being superior, how we're getting lost in our assumptions of why are they so stupid and to open our hearts and really heal not only our own blindness, but um, heal with compassion and and see the humanity in everyone. So um, maybe I'll I'll stop here and um, see if there's any comments, questions. If you, uh, if you want, you can raise your hand. Uh, you can go to the participants box. If you, if you haven't spoken yet, that would, be, that would be really great to hear from, from people in these weeks. But uh, if you have then we'll see if we can get a few, a few people and raise your hand or, um, or you can just unmute yourself. What comes up for you in this?
1: James, it might be worth looking at the chat. Some people put some oh. comments and questions in the chat.
0: Oh, okay. All right, great. So um, let's see. What if those views involve separating children p- from, from parents and putting them in cages? Yeah. It's not to condone anything. It's Linda, are you up there? Do you wanna yeah, unmute yourself? Hi! Hi! Yeah, that's a. Of course that that that's that's the, that's the ultimate. You know, just like for forgiving. It's not. It's it's seeing the blindness. It's not. It's not condoning the action. It's seeing. The the, complete. Ignorance in the Buddhist sense of the word, that would cause somebody to be so disconnected and, uh, and not see the humanity in others. When I think of what it would be like to be in that mind, it's horrific. And so you're not forgiving the act. You're just, if you can go that far, like Desmond Tutu did in uh, in, in, in uh, Healing Apartheid in the uh, re- reconciliation process in South Africa. It's seeing the, the deep ugliness and confusion in that mind and opening up your heart to that ignorance, that level of ignorance while doing everything you can to say, this is not right and this has to stop that's the the Buddha has one discourse maybe you've heard me talk about it the simile of the saw you've heard that one where the Buddha says even if somebody is is cutting off your sawing off your leg um, to meet it with hatred you are poisoning yourself so it's a very high bar you meet it with just understanding the ignorance behind that and then you do everything you can to um to right that wrong but if you're if you're if you're caught up in hatred you're just adding more hatred i'm sorry go ahead
3: ahead. i I think i can do i i can do that for the unknown (laughs) folks out there that I don't know personally, I can, you know, I can conclude that there's confusion that there's, you know, that I can, I can look at the other side, like, like you're suggesting, Mm -hmm. but I think what's really difficult is people in my family that Mm -hmm. I was raised in the Christian tradition where, you know, from a small child to do unto others as you would have, Others do unto you, mm-hmm. and I've attempted to have conversations with these family members, my parents, um, who are compassionate people, in one sense, but will not um, okay. extend, you know, to yeah. open their minds to how the suffering might occur for others, and you know, and I have I have neighbors in my neighborhood who are. From other countries like El Salvador, and they are just, you know, <laughs> you can imagine. And Verified. my family has friends in
0: Mexico too. So yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and there, the paradox is to hold both of them. So yeah, you you feel compassion for them, and those those the ignorant distortion of the of Christ's teachings is really. Ignorance—it's just ignorance. Me
3: though, it's—it's it's not just that they're—they're they're unwise. It's—it's it's a willful. It's willful, and in that, and that, the, and that—the that other side of that is, I have been feeling so for so long, othered, mm-hmm. like being the radical liberal, as if that's a dirty word, mm-hmm. when. You know, all I'm trying to do is love and have compassion and kindness, and be, you know, a benefit to others. You know, to but yeah. so, so. It's,
0: I, I I know you are, and that's so. So and, I
3: can't I can't handle it right now. I yeah,
0: just, and and we and we've had this conversation before. You know, and as the Buddha says, it, if you can, you know, if you need to keep the company of the wise and avoid the company of the unwise. Um, if you're if you're not able to maintain your center, then you've got to have really healthy boundaries. It's it, you've got to start with healthy boundaries and know what your limits are. And you know when you when you do sometimes when you do meta for the difficult one. Jack sometimes says. Put them uh, in, in another room with, uh, with ten, 10 feet, uh, a 10 th- foot uh, <laughs> thick wall of cement between you, and send, it, send them compassion from afar. You don't have to subject yourself to, uh, to that. So, you, still though, if you close your heart in hatred, it's just poisoning you. So, forgive them. They know not what they do. And um, maybe they will wake up when you're when you're doing meta for somebody uh, for a difficult. You're saying may they ha- find real happiness, and and that includes having real understanding, genuine understanding, and waking up. And until then, don't. Just forgive yourself for not being able to forgive them. Even even if you said, I wish I could forgive. It, does that come to you? I wish I could forgive. Yeah. So stay with the wish. There's something wholesome about wishing you could forgive. Don't go yet to, I'm not there. Darn it. What, what a pathetic meditator or Buddhist I am. Just go to the wholesomeness of, I wish maybe in time my heart can open to them. I'm not there right now, but there's something that you realize would be beneficial for you if you could stay with that wholesome, that wholesome quality. That's a start.
3: And and the seventy-two million others.
0: And the seventy-two million others. Yeah, so because
3: it brings my heart like it's just so. It's just so heavy. I have to say, like, just that's just so so heavy.
0: (laughs) And that's that's what we're called to take in right now, rather than those jerks. Why don't they? Seventy-two million people who have a different perspective than you. I've I've talked about it here. My teaching from my that thirteen-year-old girl in Trinidad who, uh, Lel Ann, who said she, her invention, she thought she could lead to world peace. I said, oh yeah, what, what, what is it? She said, it's called the perspective helmet. You put it on and as soon as you have it on, you can understand the perspective of the person you're speaking to. I said, okay, I'll invest in that if you can figure out how to do it. That's what we're called on to do right now. As painful as it is, there's 72 million people who think differently. And if we're truly going to use our practice, it's not about feeling how we've got it together and how righteous we are, but to see, oh, I need to open up my heart to them too and understand the causes and conditions that make them think the way they do. So, I realize actually we're we're past time. I'm uh, sorry. Um, well, I just went on the way I did. So <laughs> please forgive me if you uh, if you have some thoughts of oh he's kept us later and he didn't give us a chance to have more conversation. Uh, I see in the chat the um, the the question about the books the the two books that I was I've been hanging out with are. Um, Rising out of hatred and the cure for hate. Uh, another book that I'm reading now, which probably many of you are as well, uh, that also talks about causes and conditions, is Cast by Isabel Wilkerson um, to really understand how we're all conditioned, how we're all subject to systemic racism that. Uh, we we don't know where fish swimming in water and don't see the water all around us. So really to understand more and more, that's what opens the heart to compassion. So we'll, we'll just close. Uh, I'll just do a, a, a short um, dedication and um, just have us reflect on. Hmm practice of really trying to understand another. And in our metta, we dedicate for the benefit of all, not just those who think like us, who are good Buddhist meditators. (laughs) We include everyone May all benefit from our coming here together. May all wake up and see clearly where happiness really lies and learn to share their love well. May all know the highest happiness and peace.